Just as we're worshipping this morning, I just just wonder if I can ask Jane, would you come and just share your testimony with us? Just, uh, just we're worshipping, and we're talking about the God who so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And, you know, God is an amazing God who loves us, who cares for us. I just want to let Jane share a testimony she's just sharing with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. February this year, oh, my name's Jane, I'm with, just out of Colac. <laughs> Mid-February this year, um, five months ago, I've been in, I've had 40 years of pain in my lower, in all the girl bits down there. PID, endometriosis, fibroid cysts, cervical cancer, comb biopsy, uh, let's procedure, I think it's called. I've had various others as well, too, too many to mention. I've had lots of keyhole surgeries where they go and explore what's going on. I finally had enough and had a hysterectomy. That didn't fix it. I was still in pain. So they did another keyhole surgery and discovered that I had a mountain of scar tissue which was attached to my bowel, my bladder, my intestines, all of that. It was pulling and very, very, very tight and extreme pain. To the, to the point of 40 years of pain led from one horrible thing to another and it ended up like scar tissue. I know this because a surgeon went in about oh, 10 years ago and he cut it all away so I was free of it all. It was all cut away and removed from a lower tummy. Within two weeks it grew back and I was in more pain because they'd gone in again. Anyway, I was on 120 to 160 dose of oxycodone every day. I was taking 60 in the morning, 60 at night, and every day there would be breakthrough pain, so there was two endone at a time, so it built up the dosage. Uh, Like in mid-February, I went to a, to a different church and to a chap called John Mellor. You probably may know him. And he's got a healing ministry. Anyway, he prayed over me and automatically, I didn't feel anything straight away, but that night I went home and I just had this feeling inside, it's gone. And the pain had gone. So I didn't take my dose of oxycodone that night. The next morning, I felt fine. It, oh, it was, the pain had gone. Over the next couple of days, a little niggle started to come back in again. So I just kept claiming that by Jesus' stripes we are healed and other scriptures. And I just kept claiming it and claiming it and claiming it. And the doubt would come back in. So, no, I'm not having this. God healed me. So I was just that... In Revelation 19.10, it says that Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And for us to keep on telling us, telling each other, testifying to each other the goodness of God. And I'm just here to encourage anybody that's still in pain, that God still heals today. Because mm. that pain in my stomach, my lower tummy, has gone. Praise God. Mm. And all that more pain. Thank you. Praise God. 
Thanks, Jane. I totally believe it. God is a healing God. I just, I'm trying to think, is it five or six years ago now? I, I broke my back, T4, T5, T6, crushed fractures through all the way through the vertebrae, and God, again, overnight, took away that pain. And God is a healing God. And I just feel this morning that we want to pray for those that maybe need a healing touch from God right now. And let's just, just close your eyes for a moment. Maybe you've got a part of your body that's sick. Just encourage you to place your hand there in faith and just say, Lord, touch my body this morning. Maybe even someone you know that you, you want to pray for this morning and you're just thinking of that part of their body that, that you want prayer for that person this morning. Lord God, we just thank you for your healing power that you so loved the world that you gave your only son. That God, you have not spared anything for us to be set free and to have eternal life. And God, you do not spare your love from us. You do not spare anything from us, Lord God. And we just pray right now for health for these physical bodies in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we honor you and declare your goodness, Lord, for your healing power in Jane's life, your healing power in my life, and for so many of us here, Lord, that we know your healing power. And God, we pray for those this morning that may be sick, maybe have have scar tissue, have pain in any part of their body, Lord God. We just pray in Jesus' name right now that that pain would go, there would be healing to that part of their body in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. We thank you, God, that you have the power, that your power has not changed, that your power is here today. Your Holy Spirit living inside of us is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And we pray this morning, Lord, for healing to touch people's bodies in Jesus' name. Let us be free to live and move and, and, and be the people you created us to be for your glory, God, we pray. Lord, give us boldness to testify of the things you have done, the things you are doing in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just encourage you to continue to, to, to trust God, to seek Him, to believe that He will touch your body. He loves you. And uh, you may have prayed before. I know when I, I, I really felt God say to me, Andrew, do you want to be healed? I've had heaps of people pray for me already. But in that moment, I'm like, yes, God, please. And again, I didn't feel anything in the moment. But God moves. God touches lives. He changes lives. He heals bodies. And I say, woo <laughs> It's so good. Alrighty. Thanks, guys. You may be seated too. And uh, we're going to continue this morning to share God's Word together um, on our, our core values as a church. You know, next week we're going to have a, a change in the, in the program. We're going to uh, do something a little bit different. We've got a, a guest speaker coming next week, Nick Johnson from Ballarat. Um, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, we've worked together on some of the state CRC things together. He's part of the state CRC training team. And he's a great, I can say a great young guy because he's even younger than me. I'm like, yeah, Woo, that's good. Um, and really excited to have him coming next week and encourage you to be here. Um, he's a, a really humble and just servant-hearted guy. And I believe you'll love the word that he brings to us next week. But this morning, uh, sorry, no, last week, um, you may remember we started our, our third part of our series talking about the core values. And we talked about being people that are lovers of God, proclaiming the love of God always. And we talked about going to the principal's office and how we can be afraid and worried about what the principal's going to say when we go to the principal's office. And if you weren't here and this is confusing, listen to the podcast from last week. Uh, but as, we, as I went to that principal's office, I was saying about how I thought I was in trouble. We feel like we're in trouble when we, we get called to come before a person of authority so often. 
And yet when God calls us to come to Him, it's not because He wants to whack us over the knuckles, it's not because He wants to tell us off, it's because He wants to give us life. He wants us to know Him that we might have life. He wants us to know His love so that we might have His love in our lives but also be able to give that away to one another. That we might be lovers of Him, proclaiming His love for the rest of our lives. And we read this saying, uh, as we concluded last week, the command to love God is not a command so much about what we must do as it is a command to realize what He has done. If we see His love, if we know His love, it will transform us. It will change us. It, 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 it inspires us to love Him back when we understand what He has done for us. Um, I think the next one, sorry, says, uh, we talked about loving first, about thinking about His love first in all things. We, we want to be people who love, but first we need to think of His love for us. And as we look to His love, He inspires us with His love. Um, so we talked about that great commandment of loving God and loving one another. It's so simple, isn't it? So simple, love God, love one another. It's so easy, isn't it? To always be loving loving one another, loving God, so simple, so easy, not always. You know, even this week, um, I am aware, and maybe you are too, of times when I have not been loving even to those that I love most. It's such a challenge for us to always be loving. We're going to look at it some more this morning. I encourage you to open up your Bibles, if you've got it there, to Luke chapter 10, Verse 25, it's on the screen, but I encourage you to open your Bibles. Let your Bible be something that you know, that you, that you know where to find things in your Bible, that you get to know where the different passages are, that when you, God prompts you to look something up, you can find it because you, you know that page, you know that's the one with the coffee stain on it from when you were doing your devotion and your kids knocked your coffee and spilled all over your Bible. Um, anyway, Luke chapter 10, let's pray. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your amazing plans for us, God. That, Lord, you are gracious and merciful to us, even though we fail so often, Lord. God, I just pray this morning that you would encourage us, that you would inspire us, that you would move in our hearts, that you would change our hearts, that you would soften our hearts. Lord, where there's any scar tissue in our hearts, Lord God, that you would remove those things and let our hearts be soft and tender to your Spirit's leading, Lord, I pray. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and just pray, Lord, that you would give us a love for your word. Give us a, a passion and desire to read your word and study it, that we would know you, that we would know your love, and that we would have the life that you desire for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says this. You, I hope you're not reading ahead, are you? No, 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 you're all praying, good. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? I just want to point out that we did read a passage from Mark chapter 12 last week. Very similar passage, except the, the, the question is, what's the greatest commandment? In this instance, it's recorded as, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what do you say? How do you read it? Verse 27, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. 
It's a short passage, but it's a powerful passage. It's short, it's to the point, but just in case you missed it, the man says, what must I do? Jesus says, tell me what you think. And the man replies, love God and love people. And Jesus says, yes, now go and do it. Easy, simple, done. Except Jesus is acknowledging, yep, right answer. But we fail so often to do just that. Jesus says to the man, he's like, yeah, that's the right command. That's, that's it. Love God and love people. That's the command. Now go and do it. Because the reality was that that man had failed, just as we fail time and time again to love God and love people as he commands us to. You know, the law was given that we might see how sinful we are, that we need God's grace, that we need his forgiveness, that we would understand that we are sinners that need a saviour. And even as God gave that command in Deuteronomy 6, has that man remembered that command to love God and love people? Jesus is saying, yep, you've got the right command. It is a good command. It's, it's a great commandment. But you know what? We all fail to do it. Jesus says, right answer. Yep, you've got it. But you're not doing it. And I don't think he's saying it in a way to sort of say, hey, <laughs> You've missed the mark, mate. You're no good. But he's saying, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you realize what you're saying? To love God and love people. It's the great command, but we, but we fall so far short so often of that commandment to love God and love people. And I want us to realize as we talk about this commandment this morning, as people who come to church, as people who are in church on Sunday morning, we try and we aim for this, but none of us have succeeded always. You might be pretty good at it some days, but we've all failed at times. And then the man, to be honest, I'm not sure what on earth he was trying to gain by asking this question. But the man says to Jesus, so who's my neighbor? And I think, mate, you should have just stayed silent at that point. It's like the command was hard enough in itself. And I don't know what he was trying to gain by asking this question. It's like, Jesus, can you get a little bit more specific for me so I understand just how far short I fall? Or maybe he actually thought Jesus knew who he lived beside. And it's like, they're best buddies. He's like, hey, Jesus, so do you know who my neighbor is? <laughs> you know, we, we're good buddies. It's like, I'm good at this. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Or maybe he's thinking, hey, Jesus, do you know where I live? I don't have any neighbors. I live out in the bush, mate. It's like, who is my neighbor? Maybe, maybe not. He says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Can you just clarify that for me a little bit better, Jesus? I think he's kind of missing the point of what Jesus is saying. And he, Jesus goes on and he tells this story to clarify who his neighbor is. He says in verse 25, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem. I want you to hear that key point. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. Maybe like, picture Ned Kelly. No, don't, don't picture Ned Kelly. Um, <laughs> they stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Do you know what? I, I hate this passage. Because the kids' church guys teach this. 
And the kids say, well, what's a priest? And they say, oh, it's like Pastor Andrew. I'm like, no, don't say that. I don't want to be associated with that guy. Anyway, we'll go on. Verse 32, it says, a temple assistant, a Levite, or some people might say like a a lay leader, kind of like a Matt or a Josh. It's like, no, don't associate me with that guy. A temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. I don't like this story. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. It's like, uh, gee, don't know, Jesus. That's a tricky one, isn't it? And the man replied, the one who showed... Sorry, that's not part of the scripture if you're listening to the podcast. It's verse 37. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. You know, I think the honest thing is that we know we should love we actually want to love, but somehow we still struggle to love. We want to love, we, we know we should love, but we just struggle day by day to continue to show love. I wonder if you've ever had someone that you love hurt you. I wonder if you've ever hurt someone that you love. We, we, we desire to love, we, we try and love, People love us and still somehow we we hurt them even though we desire to love them. It's such a struggle for us. And in this story, we we see a a guy who's told a story about a Samaritan, someone that he probably hates, and he's saying, love this guy. You know, it's hard to love those that we already love. And yet Jesus is saying, I want you to love everyone. I want everyone to be your neighbour. I want you to love even those who hate you. And we know we should love, we want to love, but it's so hard when people are mean to us day after day after day after day. When people in your workplace mock you, criticise you, stab you in the back, hurt you, it's a challenge to keep on loving. You know, the sad thing is I think sometimes the people we hurt most are the people that we do love because we're vulnerable with one another. We, 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 We love those people, but still we, we hurt each other, we offend each other, and it's so hard to love at times. But what does Jesus say? He talks about the priest who crosses over and keeps on going. And I think, why? Why did he do that? Why would a priest, one of God's appointed priests in the temple, cross over the path and not help this guy who's half dead on the road? Why, why would he not help? And I was thinking about this through the week and thinking, what would make someone not want to help someone who's lying half dead on the road? Does he actually hate him? Is he like, hey, this is the guy that took the last sausage roll from the canteen last week and I had my lunch and he took the last sausage roll and it's like, well, too bad. You can just die on the side of the road. I'm going this way. It's a really bad possible scenario, but like... Does he actually not like the guy? Maybe. 
He's a Jew. They're both Jews. It's not like he's a foreigner. But does he dislike him? Is it just pure selfishness? Is he saying, look, I can, I can see you hurt, mate. I can see you're half dead on the side of the road, but sorry, I've got stuff to do. I've got too many things to do today. Can't stop. Got to go. Is it just purely selfishness? Or maybe it's fear. Maybe he's afraid. Maybe he's worried that if he, if he goes and helps this guy, he's going to get blood and muck on his hands and, and he, he might be unclean and un- unable to go and do what he's meant to do at the temple that day. Or maybe he's worried the bandits are still in the bushes. He's like, if I go and help that guy, they're going to beat up me. Ever been in that place where you see someone that's potentially getting hurt and you think, should I step in? And there's this point of tension. You go, do I step in or do I remove myself from this situation? Maybe he's afraid. Maybe he's fearful of something else. We don't know for sure why he doesn't go over and help the guy, but he crosses over and keeps on going. The question I think we can ask ourselves is, do we ever let any of those things cause us to cross over the road and just keep on going when we see someone in need? Do we allow any kind of bitterness or hatred in our heart to stop us from loving? Do we allow selfishness or pride or fear to stop us from loving? You know, sometimes I think we can, we can have a pride of thinking, you know, it's, it's, it's their turn to serve me this time. I've, I've served them, I've helped them, I've done that. It's their turn this time. But, you know, I think Jesus is saying, this is not okay. It's not okay to just cross the road and keep on going and ignore that one in need. And he goes on and he talks about the Levite, the, the temple helper. He does the exact same thing. He crosses over and keeps on going. He's kind of like, maybe he's thinking, it's not my job. That's not my, that's not my role. And he just keeps on going. And then he comes to the despised Samaritan. This guy who's He's a Samaritan. The Samaritans are the, the half-Jews. They're the ones that uh, when Babylon conquered uh, Israel and, they, and they, they took them off in captivity, they left the poorest ones behind and they were married with the, the foreigners that came in and they were the half-Jews. They were the ones that had, had, had partnered with wickedness and they were despised by the Jews. They were hated. In fact, in the previous chapter, you read about Jesus and the disciples. They've gone to this Samaritan town and when they hear that Jesus and the disciples are going on to Jerusalem, they say, hey, get out of here. We don't want you staying here. It's like, you're going to go hang out with the Jews. We hate those guys. Don't, you can't stay here. Keep going. And they leave. The Samaritans and the Jews, they, they, they hated each other. There was a hatred towards one another. But this despised Samaritan, he's walking along the road and he sees this Jewish man beaten up on the road. This guy that probably hates him, but he stops And he has compassion on this man. He sees a a person who's made in the image of God and he stops and he has compassion. You know, love is kind. Love is kind whether the person's been kind to you or not. It doesn't matter who that person is. Love is kind. When you think about that person that maybe has done wrong things to you, love is kind. Love is kind. It says the Samaritan man, he he soothed his wounds. He gets olive oil and wine and he soothes his wounds and he begins to bandage him up. Now, 
I don't know about you, but I don't sort of generally walk down the street with a little jar of olive oil and a little jar of wine with me. Like maybe in ancient times they were travelling, they carried some olive oil and wine. Um, but this man is travelling along, he sees this guy that's been beaten up and maybe he's got some with him. I think more likely he goes, yells out to his friends like, hey, can you just go over 7-Eleven and grab us some olive oil and some wine? It's like, we need some bandages and stuff too. And he goes into 7-Eleven, he goes, wow, $25 for a jar of olive oil, that's so expensive. And comes back and he, and he, and he begins to wash the wounds and he gets a bit messy and he, he pours out this olive oil, these precious things to, to, to cleanse this guy's wounds who is someone that probably doesn't even like him and he shows love. You know, love has a cost. It wasn't insignificant that he poured out that olive oil, that, that, that wine. He, he poured out those things that cost him something. I don't think the man was lying on the side of the road half dead with his bandages and olive oil and wine ready to go. He's like, hey, can you, just, can you just help pour this over my wounds? He's used his own resources. Love has a cost. And for us sometimes to love, it means giving things to those who maybe we feel like in our heart, we almost feel like they don't deserve it. But love says, I'm prepared to give of myself. Maybe you feel like, well, I've given, I've given, I've given. It's their term. No, but love says, I'm going to pay the price. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That we could be forgiven and have eternal life. Love has a cost. And the good Samaritan man, the despised Samaritan man, he soothed his wounds and he puts him on his own donkey. You know what? I reckon that man saved up for that donkey. I reckon for a long time he'd been traveling and he always had to carry his own stuff on his back. He's like, oh, I've got to save me up some money to buy a donkey. And he buys a donkey. He's like, woohoo, I don't have to carry my stuff anymore. And I can load all my stuff on my donkey. And maybe even I can sit on my donkey too as I travel. And he saves up and he buys his donkey. But then he's traveling along the road one day. He sees this guy beaten up. He bandages his wounds. And then he takes his gear off his donkey. He goes, I'll carry the gear. You hop on my donkey and let's go. You know, love is inconvenient sometimes. He, he's, he's bought his own donkey, he's carrying his gear, he's riding on his donkey, whatever he was doing. But he puts the man on his own donkey and he, he takes him to the, to the inn. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure this guy was going somewhere himself. He was on a, a mission to get somewhere. He's, he's got his own to-do list for the day. But love is inconvenient sometimes. Sometimes we, we feel like, I haven't got time to deal with this now. But God's saying, you know what, love is inconvenient. Sometimes we need to just stop and say, look, I'm meant to be in this place. I'm meant to be in that place. I've got this to do. I'm meant to do that today. But right now, I just need to stop and I need to be with this person. Sometimes love is inconvenient. He puts the man on his donkey and he takes him to the inn. And he gives him two silver coins, two denarii, which is the equivalent of probably two days' wage. And he pays the man, he says, here's some money to look after this guy. But I'll tell you what, if there's any other costs to look after this guy, I'll pay the difference when I get back. If it, if it, if it costs more than this, I, I, he kind of says, I've got to keep going, but can you look after this man? And I'll pay whatever cost there is when I come back, I'll pay it when I get back.
You know, love makes us vulnerable. You know, that, that guy, he could have had some pre-existing heart condition. Or he could have been, he might have been really badly hurt. He could have been there for weeks and weeks and weeks in that inn, staying in that room and his bill could have been growing and growing and growing while this guy goes away. And he says, but you know what? I'm going to come back and I'm going to pay whatever the cost is to look after this guy. Whatever things you need to buy to look after him, I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to do it because I'm just going to show God's love to this guy. Love makes us vulnerable. And when we choose to love, when we decide to follow Jesus, when we choose to put aside our own selfish ambitions and say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to live for you, we're saying, I'm putting aside living for myself, living for my own comfort, I'm living to love God and love people. That makes us vulnerable. Sometimes when people hurt us and, 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 and we, we love them, we forgive them, to them it seems like permission for them just to do it again. And that's not right. But when we, when we choose to forgive, when we choose to love, even when someone has hurt us, it makes us vulnerable. When we hurt one another and we choose to love, instead of just building up a wall, it makes us vulnerable. But it's what God has done for us. He didn't build up a wall between us when we sinned. He came and gave His life as a sacrifice for our sin. That anyone who comes to Him would find forgiveness and eternal life. Jesus didn't build up a wall. We, we often build up a wall. We think we've sinned and we think, God could never love me anymore. And we build up a wall. We think, I could never come to God anymore. But God's love offers Himself to us. He made Himself vulnerable and He came and was whipped and beaten and it mocked and ridiculed and nailed to a cross and said, this is how much I love you. Love makes us vulnerable. And 1 Corinthians 13 says this, it says, if I could speak in all the languages of earth and of angels, but don't, didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I could understood all of God's secret plans, possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But I, if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless when we reach eternity, but love will last forever. Love will last forever. We can do the greatest things in this life. We can uh, try and achieve and, 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 and know and do things. But without love, it means nothing before God. Jesus 
says, yeah, the great commandment is to love God and love others. He says, yeah, that's, that's the way to eternal life, to love God and love, love others. But we have all fallen short. We all fail. And I think that's the point of what he's saying to this man is, you know what? You haven't reached the standard. It's preparing him to understand that the only way to have forgiveness, to have life, to have eternal life with God is to know that Jesus is the one who makes us worthy. He makes us righteous. He washes away our sin through the cross, through His sacrifice for us. We have forgiveness and eternal life. It's not because we're any better than anyone else. As we talk about this series about loving God and loving others, being lovers of God, proclaiming the love of God, we need to understand first and foremost, it's not because we come to church, it's not because we're good people, it's not because we're any better than anyone else, it's simply because we know that Jesus has forgiven us. It's through Jesus' sacrifice for us that we are set free. There's three things I think it's encouraging us to do, that to ask for God's forgiveness, to, to remember His love for us, and to ask Him to help us. You know, if we, if we read this, this story and just think, okay, so I've just got to love my neighbor better. I've just got to do this better. I've just got to do this better and God will accept me. We've missed the whole point. There's things to learn about how we can love one another, but it's not in our own strength. It's not by our goodness or our works that we receive his forgiveness. It's through asking for his forgiveness. It's recognizing what Jesus has done. That it's through the cross that we have eternal life. Let's remember his love. Day by day, let's remember His love and ask Him to help us. Now, we've talked about as a core value of loving God and proclaiming the love of God. We don't want to just know the Bible. We don't just want to know the truth. We don't want to just hear about God and teach about God. We don't just want to come to church and do church. We actually want us to know the love of God and love Him. We don't just want to be a church that, that teaches truth but doesn't actually stop and talk to God. We want to be people of prayer. We want to be people who, who know God's love and respond to His love. And it's as we recognize our sinfulness, even with those around us, as we recognize that we have fallen short of His standard, that we do proclaim His love. We want to be changed, we want to be molded, we want to be shaped, we want to be moved by His love. But first and foremost, we need to recognize that we are sinners saved by grace. We are just like everyone else. And yet we know the Savior, the one who gives hope to anyone who calls on His name. I just want to read two more verses that we read last time. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love each other because He loved us first. We love each other because He loved us first. You know, when we hurt one another, when we, as people, say things that we don't mean, when we do things that hurt one another, we can be so tempted to say, well, He's got to say sorry to me first. They did this to me. They said that to me. But God's way is to love first to lay down our lives, to humble ourselves and show the love of God to one another. We love each other because He first loved us. And as a church, as we offend each other, and we will sadly at times, 
as we offend each other, as we hurt each other through things that we say and do, let's not wait for that other person to come and say, I'm sorry. Let's do what we can to repair those relationships. Let's, let's love first as Christ first loved us. Husbands and wives, guys, we've got the biggest challenge. Guys, God says to, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. He gave himself for his, his church, his bride. And we are called to always love first to lead by example, to love as He has loved us. 1 John 4 verse 10 says this, This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Our love is so tainted. Our love is so small in comparison to the love of God. And we need to day by day come to Him and say, God, help me again to understand Your love. Help me today, God, not let my view of your love be tainted. We can so easily be, be, be confused by the things of the world that we see around about us and to come day by day and say, Lord, help me to see your love and to love like you. I'm going to ask the band to come. and I just want to pray this morning. Let's think of his love first. In everything we do, if someone hurts us, let's think of his love first. He gave his life for a sinner like me. As we go about our lives, as we, des- as we desire to be people who love God and proclaim his love, let's think of his love first. He didn't come boastfully or arrogantly, but he humbled himself and came as a baby. And he gave his life as a sacrifice for our sin. Lord Jesus, I just thank you this morning for your amazing grace for us. Lord Jesus, we hear of your commandment. We know your commandment. We desire to live by that commandment, to love God and love people. But Lord Jesus, we are so aware of our sinfulness, of our falling short of your glorious standard, Lord God. But Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that you would forgive us our sins. God, we ask that you would remind us again of your loving graciousness towards us, Lord. I pray, Lord, this morning for anyone here today that, Lord, they're just aware of the moments where they've messed up this week. God, times when they just have not been loving as they've desired to be loving. God, I just pray that you would help us to realize that nothing can ever separate us from your love. That God, your your sacrifice on the cross Lord Jesus, it, it, it was enough. It was all that was needed for us to be forgiven. And Lord, your word tells us that anyone who comes to you, anyone who calls on your name, will find forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, I just pray for anyone who has felt like they are not good enough to come into a relationship with you, God. This morning you bring revelation into our minds that, Lord Jesus, you have made us worthy. You have washed us clean. It's not by being better people. It's not by doing more good things that we are saved. It's because of your love for us. Lord, we we recognize this 
great commandment. And Lord, we desire to be more and more people that love you and love others. But we recognize this morning that it's only by your power in us that we can do these things. And God, we just pray this morning, have your way in us, Lord. Change our hearts, soften our hearts. Lord, any walls in our hearts that we've allowed to build up over time between any person and ourselves, Lord. Lord, if there's any hatred, any bitterness, any selfishness, any pride, we just pray, Lord God, that you would deal with those things in Jesus' name. Just encourage you to allow God just to, to put things on your mind. If you're having things come to mind right now, don't condemn yourself, but just say, Lord, help me to deal with that thing. Lord, help me to make things right with that person. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I just thank you that you do not condemn. You do not continually accuse us, Lord. But Lord, any any people, any thoughts that you would bring to mind to us right now, Lord, we just pray for your empowering for us to deal with those situations in Jesus' name. Help us to be quick to respond to those thoughts in Jesus' name. Lord God, we just thank you for your amazing love. That Lord, nothing can ever change what you have done for us. And that we are set free from the power of sin and death through your forgiveness through the cross. We surrender to you today, Lord. And we say, Lord, have your way in us, we pray. Let us be the church that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to ask this morning that you would stand. And we want to sing. We want to finish by declaring and, and saying that this hope is an anchor for our soul, that nothing will ever change the fact that Jesus gave his life because he loves you. And nothing will ever change this hope we have in him. If you've been feeling weighed down by guilt or sin or anything else, just encourage you to lift your hands and surrender this morning and say, thank you, Jesus. I surrender to you again. I give my life to you. And... Let's be excited for the week ahead as we sing this song.